12 to 1 every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Okay, well, for me, I think we've got a match this weekend befitting a World Cup final with Ireland and uh, number one team in the world in South Africa, the defending champions. So we've got quite a bit of insight into that for the first half hour or so. First one we're going to pick the brains of. Ronan O'Gara uh, was talking to Big Jim. We've had a lot of Big Jim on, um, former Irish, was he Scottish? Scottish lock, Irish lock. Big Jim. I think he's Scottish. Anyway, he caught up with Ronan O'Gara, who, of course, is the head coach of La Rochelle and just a legend of the game in Irish rugby. First question to Ronan, um, first comment, really, was about the pressure of playing for, for, for Ireland and his thoughts on Ireland's chances of winning the World Cup. The biggest thrill in life is playing for your country. You know, The club game is brilliant, but there's another level and it's so much harder and it's the, the, the depth of pride is bigger with your country. Mm. I saw, you mean, Paul O'Connell is a good friend. Are you, um, geez, it would be unbelievable to watch someone that you really like um, lift the Rugby World Cup. You know, Ireland have never done it. It's, but it's becoming more and more attainable. And I think this group, more importantly, see themselves. Because if you don't see it before it happens, you won't do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important because people think sometimes, you know what I mean, that it's decided by the 80 minutes. I'm not too sure. I think from a mental point of view, I think a lot of players nowadays and coaches prepare and can nearly show the players this is what will happen if you do A, B and C. And if you do that, then you'll get the performance. If you get the performance, you lift the William O'Vellis. And not only was Ronan O'Gara a wonderful player, storied career, but he's forming himself into an excellent coach. Uh, as I mentioned, head coach of La Rochelle, and he did a stint with the Crusaders. So Big Jim asked him a technical question. He said, how do you unlock the South African rush defence? To beat a rush defence, you've got to go through it. An awful lot of people try and go around it. So there's a complete... I think misunderstanding what you're trying to achieve if you want to for me the key on playing against a rush defence is you got to attack flailing arms and that's a skill in itself because if you run into bodies it's your tackle behind the gain line and the ball is going to be held up ruck speed will be four or five seconds but if you can identify opportunities for late footwork at the line into flailing arms the capacity for high shots which is nowadays is a red card or a yellow card on a on a probably an average occasion uh, footwork and fend at the line short passes everyone tries to play long pass long pass if you play long pass long pass against South Africa they'll eat you up with salt it's exactly what they're looking for so what you need to do, reduce the space between your nine and ten, or first receiver, reduce your space from, so do you get me? So nine and ten might only take three South Africans. Ten to this next defender, next attacker might only take three defenders. They'll probably have eight on the line, but you've got to know if you can get accuracy on that second pass. So nine to ten, we'll say, ten to Bundyaki or Ringrose, and if there's a potential, what will happen there, the shooter will come on him, 
he will not get the capacity to go one, two, long pass. The, what he might do, he might get hit ball and all, but he might be able to tip. And I'm going through from the halfway line. Or even better, if you imagine I'm here, you're there, who's behind here? James mm. Lowe or Hansen, they're gone. Mm. But do you get me? Because we've tried to go through them here, we've taken seven defenders. The other big thing, of course, this Ireland-South Africa game uh, will decide the opponents of probably France and hopefully the All Blacks as well. So it was put to Ronan. If Ireland beat South Africa, they then get to play New Zealand in the quarters. So does it, <clears throat> does it really matter who you play in the quarters? It hugely matters. Mm. I, 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 my one strong point in this World Cup is avoid France. I think I'm pretty well placed to comment on them and understand them. And uh, you got a taste of it on opening night uh, where they were bang average for 40 minutes and then they have this capacity to take, I think, their game to a level no one else has. That's a strong thing to say, mm. but I just think, I don't think you underestimate, and I certainly don't, but there's no one on any team like Dupont. He's, for me, he's 10 points to France every game. He's too good. He's, I've analysed him in depth, but you try to understand and coach how you can limit him, but he becomes such a uh, an enigma, is it? An anomaly yeah, when both. he doesn't have the ball. And you go, well, what are you saying, Raj? You know what I mean? But so, for example, the opposition have the ball and they're going, and then suddenly there's a knock on or there's a slap of a hand and ball bounces, and then it's like he's like a magnet, and then he has the freakish strength of a front row and back row, he has the fend of a centre. And he has the speed of a winger, and he has the smarts of a ten, and he's gone. You know, that's so, yeah. where where he does stuff that sometimes, you know, what I mean, I I absolutely I hate him obviously because he's from Toulouse and he's so good and he's caused me a lot of hurt. But I I, I admire everything in this rugby player. He's he's beyond the freak for me. He is. Uh, so he's key to France. If he wasn't playing. You'd be obviously naturally less worried as teams, but he is the one, isn't he? He, oh, is, he, he would, is the one. He would deflate a nation. He's Zidane for this team. And he might be gone. Wow. We left that in. Um, this was before DuPont's injury, of course. It was actually, uh, they recorded it overnight, and um, I listened to it before DuPont's injury. So he's worth 10 points. It would deflate a nation if he was ruled out. So I will keep you up to date of any more news reports that come out of France. However, given that it's uh, middle of the night there now, what would it be? I think it would be quarter past two in the morning there now. So I don't know that we'll get any updates, but I will keep across it for you good folk. Uh, now, there's a great um, another YouTube channel, actually, which I stumbled on today called The Box Office, which is great. Um, John de Villiers, Skulk Berger, and Brian Habana. Um, they were discussing this massive game this weekend as well. Uh, first up, John de Villiers was asked, what makes Ireland so good? 
They're very impressive. Uh, you know, I think we've spoken about it so many times before. Their, their, their attacking ability, the way they get their face play going. You know, once they once they hit like two, three second rucks, uh, you know, they're extremely difficult difficult to stop. Um, and I think, you know, speaking about the, the weekend's game as well, Tonga, we thought, would be able to put up a bit of a fight. I think they were a little bit disappointing in terms of that. Um and even though initially maybe the 10, 15 minutes, you know, a, a, a bit of quality shown by by Tonga, but the later the game went on, um, the better Ireland got. And I think for us, you know, you expect them so many times to to have great starter plays, but this time around the the ability to attack from second and third phase yeah. and have have the trick plays up their sleeve there and the effectiveness of that, how they were cutting the line and just getting it right. You know, that, 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 was, that was really impressive. Then it was put to Skulk Berger, the wonderful abrasive loose forward he was. He was asked what impresses him with Ireland and how do you beat them? I always go into these games a little bit nervous yeah. because the contrast in styles, because they won't attack. They set up so quickly and efficiently. They break down so, so nice and they hold on to the ball. They boss the ball. So they ask different questions of your defence. And the way we defend is to get the ball back. Like it's a power defence. We rush. We know if you try and play deep, doesn't matter how deep you go, we go fetch you. Yeah. But there's no half measures in our defence. It's flat out all the time. Whether we got two against four or one against three, he's going. Yeah. And it works for us. Does. But it also doesn't take a lot to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't lock it down. And last day in November, I was just as nervous. And I said, listen, this will be a proper test of our mm-hmm. metal. And if we are going to be, okay, just one mindset, no second guessing, and we got them. Okay, we lost the game, but I felt much more comfortable after. So this game, I think we've got the right artillery to put them under pressure. But we talk about the Irish side, and you talk about outside influence. Oh. Mac Henson. Mm-hmm. Henson, yeah. Australia, Bandiaki, James Lowe, Rob Herring, yeah. you know, Gibson Park. Gibson Park. And then uh, Jean de Villiers first, then Brian Habana, then Skulkberger. They were all asked each in turn who impresses them from Ireland and what are the big matchups in this game? I'll go Bandiaki. He's been really impressive. Yeah. Um, the two games he played now as well, just the momentum he provides on it. And, and again, that platform from set phases and then being able to play off to that. So. That's going to be a big matchup, him and, yeah. and Damien Delendi. So I think for me, it's going to be at hooker. So we know there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bongi Mnambi. We don't know if Dan talking Sheen, about the front row. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying we're not sure if Dan Sheen's going, okay. going to be ready to play or not. You know, Keller is also really good. But you know, I think Bongi's got a lot of pressure to try get a full 60 or 70 minutes mm. um, to just try give a bit of buffer. And because of that Malcolm loss, how Bongi then steps up, really yeah. ignites and fires the, the rest of the pack. And we all know, yeah. like if your pack doesn't go well, whether it be line out or scrum, you know, set phase dominance becomes really difficult to try to dominate everyone else in the field. I think, like, if we want to get through nine and ten, yeah. and I think Gibson Park will start against us yeah, for the agreed. speed of the ruck. Mm-hmm. And Conor Murray off the bench. He'll come yeah, off the off bench the when, like, the game's a little bit tighter and he'll return to, like, a, a contestable kicking yeah. game, which he's really good at. But then if we get to nine, if we get the rucks to slow down, we'll get to Johnny. We'll get to Sexton. Yeah, and we've seen in the past against South African <laughs> sides where it's ultimate power versus their... You know, skill set and goal, it's not a comfortable place for them. Yeah. They, they get turned inside. They get, they get narrower. Yeah. And, you know, they do feel the heat. They get a lot of contact put on them. And I don't think that's a comfortable zone for them. We saw um, against Scotland, we got too fun. We got to him early. And, and, and ultimately, that, you know, disrupted his rhythm and the Scottish rhythm.
And of course, as we know, Ireland have never progressed past the quarter final. So both Skulkberger and John de Villiers were asked what they think their mentality is now. In cricket, we, we've got the same thing of getting into a big ICC tournament yeah. and not getting it over the line. Yes, we've been close. You know, we've come to a, a, semi, a couple of semi-finals, yeah. and we've had sides that were good enough to win it. But unfortunately, we just haven't got it over the line. And I think for Ireland, doesn't matter how much you try and downplay it, and every group is different. Every group responds to pressure differently. They'll have a different build-up. They're number one in the world. But that pressure will come at some yep. stage, and it's whether they can handle it and get through that hurdle. Because if they do get through a quarterfinal this year, there's probably going to be odds-on favourites to well, go and win it. They'll definitely, they'll definitely get to the final. Then you know, you get yeah. through the first knockout this year, and you make it, you make it to a final. I think the the difference between this game, the weekend, and a quarterfinal game is that you can still make it through even if you lose yeah, please, on yeah. the weekend. Um, you know, for Ireland, so it's not a it's not a knockout. It's not a do or die, even though. You, you are making it a little bit more difficult for yourself, yeah. whether you're Irish or South Africa. Um, but but that's why this is this is going to be a huge game. And let's be fair, the two form sides of the World Cup. Yeah. If you yeah. take on performances the first two weeks, these two teams have been the teams that have been spot on in everything that they've done. And finally, the whole panel were asked for their score predictions of Ireland versus Springboks. I think I went for 28-26. I don't know what I went for, but like the box by the smallest margin possible, mm. one point. One point in it. Mm. Right? Yeah, I, was, I was thinking the box have done enough. Uh, they've got some really great momentum with them. I, like John has got, I don't see much being in it. I'd love to see us score a few tries, both sides, but I yeah. think the box at least by three. There we go. They're all picking box by between one and three. So a, a tight old game. We will take a break. We'll come. You hold on there, Dino. We'll take your call straight after this. We go to the phones, we go to Dunedin, we go to Dino. Good afternoon, sir. Yes, Davey, not too bad. You? Yeah, very well. I, um, I listen to the radio all afternoon. I've been listening to it all week, and I think it's quite ironic, and it sort of sums up where New Zealand rugby fans sit at the moment. We're all sort of a wee bit concerned and hope for the best for young DuPont because of his skill factor and whatnot, like have you ever seen a guy kick off his right foot and kick off his left foot with such pinpoint accuracy running? Bloody sure I haven't, but he, hopefully he, he's okay. Freakish talent. Oh, absolutely. But haven't we got a captain that's injured as well? Yes. Yes. Why does no one care about our guy? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, no, it's obvious. I mean, you no. Know, why do we all lie about it, Smithy? Like, we, he just shouldn't be there. Like, I mean, not so stabby like it. I've had a guts full of it all in New Zealand, you know. Like that's why it's not—it's never on the news. No one even asks how he's getting on. It's because we're better off without him. It has been. You know, I'm here, it has been quite silent, hasn't it? No, oh, it's embarrassing for the guy. Like I'm sitting here with my French rugby jersey on and my Warriors vest. It needs to be an old joke in the south, you know. And I can get away with it now because I've got that bloody farming show on, so no one can hear you down here, so I won't lose my teeth next time I go home. But it used to be what was the definition of confusion, and it was Father's Day in Gore, but now it's <laughs> being an all-black supporter, you know. Like... <laughs> oh, that's not bad, mate. <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> well, it's true. It's, common. it's just a bit of a joke everywhere you go, you know, like when you pick on a wee country town, but it is a bit different down in Gore, as we all know. But hopefully they're all okay down there, but... It is what it is. It's just the same drainage everywhere with lack of council expertise. You know, it's all over the country. 
thankfully Auckland flooded, so now most of them are getting into it and trying to sort things out. But yeah, I just sort of bring up about the Sam Kane thing. Like it's a, it's a bit embarrassing because it's never on the news. Like they all blast on the news every night, but no one ever sees how. I seen him running last night on the news when I watched, but yeah, no, no one sees he's okay or if he's going to be back or we don't really care. Oh. I, I do think we care, and I think there would have been questions asked, and we probably got no comment, or he's progressing well, or he's running. Um, there is a little bit of, we don't often hear the good stories or bad stories out of rugby in New Zealand. That's that's wearing my media hat. You're not always given the insights. That's the problem in New Zealand, isn't it? Like You look at the sports worldwide that are going really well, like, you don't have to be Einstein. You look at the Warriors, and they've always had the talent. They've just had some ex-players, ex-coaching that have just not up to it. It's the problem with New Zealand rugby as well. Like, Webby's just got them aside by themselves and got them to believe. And now, you know, they might be onto something really, really good. Like they don't, if they don't achieve, they've already out achieved above any expectations this year. So good luck to them. But next year, they're going to be a hell of a force. They really are. They they absolutely are. Yeah, well, yeah, well it's just experience. Like everyone say, you got to go to the big dance to win a dance, you know. But the other team you don't want to play, put it that way. Like especially if they get a roll on early, like that first clash. I don't follow it enough to actually know all the names, but Fanua Blake had machine forward, and yep. the Broncos have got one as well. And like the clash of those two, the first hit up, whoever catches the kick off and gives it to the either or, and the other guy smokes them or attempts to, that's going to really well, it's exciting, isn't it? That's why we want to watch the game. Mm. Like, I don't even know their names, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Dino, um, who's your pick, though? Who's your pick, South Africa or Ireland? Well, South Africa all day. Yeah. The game's one up front. It's not rugby league. You don't hand them the ball. Yeah. Like, and they, Russ, you're Rasmus. I love him. That's back on the coaching thing. He doesn't, he name his team a week early, so the opposition worry about his team. Like, that's just classic. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, he don't care. His team might not even. He don't care what's in the program. He might not run out those guys. They got a torn hamstring or blood nose warming up. You know, you can put anyone out there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's just playing games. He's bloody good at it. Mm. We're useless. Our coach is a muppet, an absolute muppet. You don't even know what position to put players in. You wouldn't get a job in bloody Pirates under eight in Invercargill. They wouldn't <laughs> want him. <laughs> oh, Dino, you're, full of, you're firing on all cylinders. I wish you a wonderful weekend of sport, buddy, and we'll catch up again next week. I'll tell you what, on the final note, though, Steph, I've seen them having a go at a digger in Gisborne. Maybe they'll give them a job in gore filling sandbags. They wouldn't pay them, though. No, they wouldn't pay them. Wouldn't pay them. No. Good on you, mate. Wouldn't There's Dino from Dunedin. I want to thank, sort of, Brendan for texting and saying, Afternoon, Staffy, one of your best interviews you've had, I reckon was Jason Wynyard, and it's bloody heartbreaking seeing him on the news the other night, what he's going through, the poor bugger. Now, Brendan, I'm thanking you because I didn't know about that, so uh, during the ad break I just looked it up, and uh, it was less than a year ago. We had Jason Wynyard in studio, obviously the nine-time world champion woodchopper, had him in studio for an hour, and it was just an incredibly humbling mo- uh, hour just learning all about this wonderful man and um, he in May was diagnosed with stage 4 Burkitt lymphoma he's since undergone 4 cycles of chemotherapy but just before the 4th cycle he was advised by the specialists that it spread too far and it was too aggressive and they couldn't do anything else 
for him. Uh, he was on the strongest possible chemo treatment. Um, he was given three weeks ago, he was given a week to live and a 1% chance. But he's trying everything. He's throwing everything at it. Hyperbaric oxygen, oxygen chamber and frequency treatment. And he said those two things are the main, main reason I can continue to operate like this. Um, and he says, I've set myself a goal of where I want to end up and I'm just focusing on that. That's been most of my life, setting goals, doing whatever's necessary to achieve them. So it's with a heavy heart. I've just uh, read about the great Jason Wynyard. Um, and that came out three days ago and you know, I've been away to a funeral myself so I, you sort of lose track of everything I wasn't pouring over sports news or watching TV news so uh, anyone connected to the wonderful man that is Jason Wynyard, um heartfelt, heartfelt thoughts are going out to you he is an absolute fighter there's no doubt about that and uh, just seeing photos of him pictures of him what he's going through now, it's, um, it's the harsh reality of, of life and what it gets dealt up. So, yeah, thanks, Brendan, for bringing that to my attention. It's it's a very, very sad moment. Right, uh, we will take some new sport and weather. When we come back, we're going to hear from Gary Ringrose out of the Irish camp. I'm trying to get as much information as I can out of the Dupont story. I think I've got an update, but it's in French. So, la victoire historique à 215 France Française en Mobilier. Jeudi des If anyone knows what that means, because <laughs> I don't. I'm just trying to find a uh, a button on this page that says "Give me it in English." Anglais. Um, someone has said, "Is Dupont out of the World Cup?" I saw the tackle. And he ate that shoulder. Poor guy. He's an absolute point-scoring machine, Andy. What the, the, the latest I've got is it's either a broken jaw maxilla. So there's a mandible and a maxilla. And I don't know which one's upper and which one's lower. Um, but if it's just a crack, if, it, if he doesn't need an operation, he could be back for the semi. So, I mean, they won't put him at risk. If he needs an operation, he'll get the operation. Uh, but the last we heard from Fabian Gaultier, the coach, was if it's a crack, he could come back by the time of the semi-final. If he needs an operation, that'll be him done for the tournament. So that's the latest on uh, Antoine Dupont. Um, huge loss of them. Huge loss if, uh, for France. But hey, we went through four first fives in 2011. They've just lost one halfback. They've just lost one halfback. Just on the Sam Kane thing, good text here and saying, in terms of Sam Kane, All Blacks are much better with him than without him. Just look at our last two games. And I actually agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, let's go inside the Irish camp. This was overnight when um, they put up Gary Ringrose and Bundy Arkey, of course the centre pairing. First question, Gary Ringrose, what do you expect from South Africa and how difficult will they be to beat? Incredibly difficult, I reckon. You know, uh, they, they pride themselves on, on their defence and they're a really well-organised defensive team. Um, but maybe from the outside looks chaotic. Uh, you can see they're all on the same page and um, you can have players that can make a massive impact defensively. So it, it'll put our attack under huge stress no doubt and, and that's the challenge to try and deal with that and uh, is it hopefully perform to the level we want to and, and expect um, 
and then on the other side of it, uh, attacking-wise, they've some of the most dangerous uh, individuals in world rugby um, on top, top form. So for when we don't have the ball, uh, you, there's no room to switch off concentration-wise um, or else you, you concede. Um, and, and that's not even mentioning the physical challenge that, that we alluded to earlier there. So it's a yeah, concoction of everything, I need to be honest. Uh, then he was asked about uh, the box defensive systems and the way they defend. How much of a threat is that? I mean, I guess it's it's an element of both. It's a huge threat. They they score off the back of their defence um, a load. So um, that's probably what makes it the biggest threat. I mean, they, they put you under pressure, force teams to maybe go away from um, what they're good at. Uh, but then what we're challenging ourselves is to try and be organised attacking-wise um, to be able to, to deal with that pressure, um, try and play in the right areas and get to space when we can. So, um, I mean, it's it's easier said than done. And, I mean, you see, I've no doubt teams go in uh, to games against South Africa with the plan and um, pretty quickly that goes out the door when, when that defensive pressure comes on from them. So... It is a credit to them and, and such a big threat, but it, it's a challenge we're kind of relishing because um, it, it's testing ourselves against one of the best defensive teams. So, um, as, you, as you said, it's it's definitely a huge threat, but I mean, if if we can get it right, hopefully it can be an opportunity too. And of course, he's the centre partner of Bundyaki, who will earn his 50th Irish cap. Just incredible, really. Um, so Gary Ingrose was asked on his thoughts on his combination with Bundy. consider myself lucky to play alongside Bundy and um, I think everyone in the group is unbelievably happy to see him get the 50 uh, for him and his family. Um, I mean, when he when he first came to Connacht, he kind of captured everyone's hearts at Connacht and then he, he's done that from the moment he put on the Irish jersey. So. It couldn't be uh, it couldn't be more deserved. Um, so yeah, as I said, I consider myself lucky to, to play alongside him. And I know speaking for the other centres, um, and Robbie and Stuart that are here, and some that are back home, would say the exact same thing. And finally, from the Irish centre, Gary Ringrose, he was asked, "How do you pr- prepare yourself mentally for South Africa's physicality?" I mean, I think whenever, certainly in my own headspace, whenever you're playing an international test match, it's you have to get yourself kind of mentally to be ready for that physical battle. So um, this week is no different in that regard. Because um, for like any game, you got to get to that headspace to be able to perform. But I guess with South African, how they might pride themselves on, on their physicality, um, the challenge would be to get to that level and maybe even a bit more um, might be needed. So um, certainly one of the biggest tests uh, Cannot wait for this match. Can't wait for this match. Uh, We've got a good rugby man on the line, Steve from Auckland. G'day, Steve. Yes, g'day, Steffi. Hope you're well, mate. A couple couple of quick things. Um, Just just on the punt, man, that's that's a massive loss. Mm. I know we lost a lot of first flyers back in in 2011, but I still think we had a a good enough team to do the job. Um, Probably... Without without Dan Carter and and so it proved and we had guys who came in and did the job. But you asked the question, I think maybe a few weeks ago pre World Cup, who would we hate to lose? And um, the person I thought of straight away was Aaron Smith mm. because so so much of our tech 
comes off what he does, and I think DuPont does pretty much the same thing for the, for them. Whether they've got another DuPont or somebody, a similar type of player, I don't really know. Um, second point is just in and around Sam Kane. Um, I heard Dino before, and always respect old, old Dino's opinions about him, but listen, I think Sam Kane is one of these players that has actually suffered because I don't know if we've ever had a, probably since the last tri- trio we had in 2015, I don't think we've had a, had a been able to roll out the same trio mm. um, or consistently is what I'm saying. So I don't think Sam Kane's ever had an opportunity to develop a relationship with the with those other two back row forwards because we've chopped and changed so many times. I still don't believe we've actually got that mix mix right. We may have found it when the likes of um, Shannon Frizzell strung together a couple of good performances in a row. But even even myself, I don't think Artie's a true number eight. He does a fan, fantastic job. And I know his leg drive is always mentioned uh, when he's playing. He's a hard player to pull down, but he doesn't always give you quick go-forward balls. So, for example, like a really big number eight does, that does you look at Vermeulen, um, you look at the likes of even, um, oh God, Valentino, when he plays, when he's in that back row position where he shifts into number eight, they are such big men. They they just give you that go forward. And that's simply because of their size, you know. You've, you've actually got to drop those sort of guys low. And because when you do that, that gives you that immediate go forward. So I don't know if Artie gives you that. So it's just one of those unfortunate situations where... Boy, you know, even somebody like Artie, you could arguably say he's probably played his best rugby in the North Lake jersey, maybe off the bench initially. And he's so good, he's probably one of those players that you can't afford to leave out. Mm. But I do know, I think we're a better team when Sam Kane is on the paddock because he just brings you a bit of physicality. I think your modern seven has got to not only probably have the ability to to obviously be accurate on the, on the tackle, but I think he's got to be good on the carry as well. Probably, if anything, doesn't get the same sort of turnover ball, but I think in this modern day game, unlike, you know, you think back about 10, 15 years ago, there are probably only three or four jacklers, really good out-and-out jacklers around the world, you know, the likes of George Smith, Pocock when he came through for Australia, um, probably McCaw himself, who were just expert jacklers, but now in the modern game, most of the guys are good at jackling the ball, so you sort of expect that from your other 14 players on the paddock to do it. But I do believe it's just his physicality is what they like. Because he can hit hard, no question whatsoever. We've seen that from Sam Kane. Um, yeah, probably doesn't get a lot of love from the public out there. But um, I, I think a lot of it's misconstrued. But hey, that's my opinion anyway. Good points well made, Steve. Thanks very much for taking the time to call. We'll come back shortly. Uh, we'll go inside the All Black camp now. They've done a bit of a press conference with a few players. First one we're going to hear from Aaron Smith, uh, head of the Italy game next week. How's the team approaching it? We're looking um, at Italy as, as a playoff game, really. It's um, still a die for us, and that's how we've got to treat it. And this week's about learning as much as we can about them, getting our game and the things we can control um, in, in a spot, and also getting our body and mind fresh and ready to go for um, hopefully a long run and uh, you can feel it like I said you can feel it already in the, the team and the energy around what's coming next Friday and um, wanting to be in the team that um, gets that opportunity. 
And, of course, there's been a lot of talk over this side of the world about the amount of kicking. Aaron Smith was asked about their kicking game. That's a big strength of ours with, um, you know, our, our drivers, our 10s and 15s ability to kick on the run and kick for our um, guys are able to catch in the air and also um, kick and land in space. And, you know, teams are very good at spacing out now. If you get a line break and stuff, they spread the field well, but they can't cover everything. And it's up to our wingers and our outside edges communicating into our drivers, where's this kicking space kick? Because the longer you hold the ball, the more you're at risk to turn it over or give the team a penalty. So if you're not winning the breakdown, you need to be smart about where can we kick and pressure them now. And also, Will Jordan was also put up for a bit of a chat. He was also asked about the increase in kicking game. We've done some good work around our attacking kicking game throughout the year with the cross kicks and little kicks and behinds. So it's about balancing up between going long and kicking short, but have noticed that up here a lot more teams have been kicking long and sort of forcing you to kind of play from deep. So that's something we probably had to adjust to in that first game. And um, yeah, we're working out how we can best kind of win that battle and then ignite our counter game, which we love doing. Um, we want to try and have a, a crack and um, it's exciting when they are kicking, if we can yeah, have a go and look to really um, yeah, spot them that way. And we'll take a break. On the other side of this, if you didn't know, Drew Mitchell, uh, former Wallaby, had a real tee-off crack at Eddie Jones about the team he's taking to the World Cup. I'm going to play you that with the beeps, but you can use your imagination what he's actually saying. We'll play that to you before the news. So the next piece of audio we're going to play you, there is a podcast in Australia with a number of former Wallabies. I think Adam Ashley Cooper's involved. Uh, I think Jeremy Paul's involved, actually, who we're going to hear from soon. Uh, But so is Drew Mitchell, and he teed off at Eddie Jones about the team he's got at the World Cup. Let's not take away from the fact that Fiji played really well, but let's also not take away from the fact that we shouldn't have lost to Fiji. Eddie sits there and goes, yeah, it's it's my fault. I take full responsibility. What the f*** does that mean, though? Like, he doesn't get dropped this week. He's not not coaching next week. Like, it's just like an empty line at a, in a press conference. Yeah, I take full responsibility. Like, what does that equate to? Like, nothing. You, you've made some glaring decisions around Quaid, uh, around Michael Hooper, captaincy, the six captains in seven weeks. Like, explain some of these decisions to us. Because as fans, we're all sitting here scratching our head. And a lot of the time we can sit there and defend Eddie or the Wallabies because we can understand logic in some of these decisions. But there's none of it. And he's sit there and he and he's not actually given any explanation as to why Quaid's not there. Why is Michael Hooper not there? He said, oh, because Michael Hooper's injured. Well, you've taken Pone Farmer silly. You've taken Max Jorgensen and these other guys that are injured. So, like, that's a redundant point. Why the have you not selected Michael Hooper, Quaid Cooper? Like, come out and actually tell us as fans, why have you not picked these guys? Because now... We're, we're seeing the result of you not picking some of these guys. So, yeah, he didn't hold back, did he? Uh, 